Hey there, and welcome to a very special episode of Takeaway with Sam Okus, a podcast from Nations Restaurant News. I am Sam Okus, Editor-in-Chief here at NRN. This is the show where I give you an all-access pass to the restaurant industry's most influential decision makers. This is a special episode because I am sharing another conversation that I had in Austin at COEX, which stands for Chain Operators Exchange. This is an event that is hosted by the International Food Service Manufacturers Association. Uh, Our team here at NRN had a chance to travel there last week to Austin to attend this event, and we had a podcast lounge at the event. Very excited to sit down with several folks who were attending that, that event, both distributors, manufacturers, but especially restaurant operators who were there to communicate and meet with and uh, talk about fresh solutions with those manufacturers who participate in that event. Uh, this conversation that I am sharing with you today is with Jamal Rasuli. He is the CEO of The Halal Shack. This is a really unique business because here's a company that was founded as a college food service brand. So Jamal got his start at the University of Albany with a a, uh, CNU, college and university based business that he has since expanded to about 30 locations all within that CNU space. Now, obviously it is a restaurant concept. He still has the same kind of challenges facing the Halal Shack that you in the restaurant industry might face, but with that unique filter of being based entirely in colleges and universities. So I really enjoyed this conversation. Uh, if you know Jamal, you will you will certainly find out in this interview, he is just this, feels like this sort of eternally optimistic, very enjoyable conversation. He's got a lot of great things to say about the restaurant industry. I'm very excited for the work that he is doing and very excited for the college and university space. But as you can imagine, that that space was really affected by the pandemic, much more so even than restaurants because of the fact that most colleges and universities had to shut down in-person meeting and dining. And so he spent many, many months without any business whatsoever, and yet he persevered, he has made it through, uh, and he has a super exciting business in the Halal Shack that he is going to continue to scale. If you're interested in the CNU space, or if you just are curious about it, this is a great interview for you. But honestly, just as a food service professional in general, Jamal has really interesting thoughts about all things labor, supply chain, inflation, and other challenges facing the restaurant industry today. So please enjoy my conversation with Jamal Rasuli, the CEO of The Halal Shack. Jamal Rasuli of Halal Shack, thank you so much for taking some time to sit down and chat. For those who are listening to this podcast who are not familiar with The Halal Shack, tell me about this business, how it came to be. Yeah. So hi, everyone. My name is Jamal. The Halal Shack is a Mediterranean, Middle Eastern American halal concept that specializes on bridging the gap between culture and food. Uh, We actually started our company in in 2017. Uh, Our first location is at the University at Albany. Uh, And really how it started was uh, it was an opportunity that came about um, because we identified a need in the market. And that's in the CNU space there was not much diversity in the options of food. Mm-hmm. So um, we started the Halal Shack to help bridge that gap. And then from there, uh, from, from that first location, we in 2017, we have almost 30 now. 
uh, all the oh. CNU space. Wow. So you, you just t- told me that you used to be an accountant. How did you <laughs> end up, how did you get into this space? <laughs> so actually my, my career path's a little bit uh, different. So I, uh, I grew up in New York City. My parents fled uh, Afghanistan during the Soviet invasion. Uh, and they immigrated to New York City, and I was born and raised in Queens, and my entire life was spent in restaurants, but not the kind of restaurants that people think. Like I'm talking actual bodega-style <laughs> <Yeah>. restaurants, uh, and I grew up working in re- my, my father's restaurants, uh, and my entire life I grew up in around food. Mm-hmm. When I actually graduated college, I swore to my family that I would never work in food again. <laughs> so I went to college, got a degree. I did the safe thing because my parents were foreign. They were like, become a doctor or engineer or an accountant. So <laughs> I chose an accountant, right? Got it. Uh, and then uh, I got my master's, got an MBA. I worked for corporate America for about seven years, and I was working in management and strategy consulting. Mm-hmm. Uh, while I was working in management and strategy consulting, I actually started a sauce company called Spin Sauce. Mm. And that's how I got into the food business because the sauces that I created, I ended up selling to my alma mater, which was University at Albany. And while I was selling it to them, I had owned other restaurants and they were like, hey, we're renovating this campus. And at the same time, I was like, hey, you need more diversity. And they were like, there was an awesome guy by the name of Steve Purse, who's executive director. And he really, you know, reached out and, and took a shot and said, hey, well, do you have an idea? And would you want to do something? And I think uh, the rest was history. Yeah. You know, from there. Uh, I worked a full-time job for, I think, almost six months while having the Halal Shack. Wow. And uh, I think after that, I was like, you know what? I'm going to scale it. And, uh, you know, I was very lucky that Steve first did take a chance on me because, uh, you know, to get into the CNU space is nearly impossible mm-hmm. back then. You know, now I would say it's a lot easier, but back then it, it was it was nearly impossible. And then, um, you know, I, I look, you know, which we're talking about today, actually, at lunch, I look back at it and... I had a full head of hair when I started, like an actual <laughs> full head of hair, like Kevin style hair, style hair, right? And we were sitting back, and I was like, it's really hasn't been that long. It's uh, 2017. It's, uh-huh. what is it, five years? Five years. Right? Yeah. It's like nothing. That's in the great scheme It's been things. an eventful five years. Right? It's like we went through a freaking pandemic. Maybe we started, no, maybe we started in a recession pandemic, uh, possibly World War Three. <laughs> so it's like <laughs> yeah, a lot has lots going on. Right, right. Tell me about the CNU space generally. Like when you, you opened this first one at the University of Albany, did you say to yourself, oh, I want to replicate this in other colleges? Or did, did you do this strategically or does it just fell into your lap that way? Um, so, you know, I'll answer it this way. I didn't do anything other than what I, what I did to open the first store, which was I wanted to bridge the gap mm-hmm. between culture and food. And when I opened the first one, I identified the gaps on other universities and within the food service industry uh, because we sell halal food, we sell vegan food, and we sell vegetarian food. And I think the importance in selling that food is the integrity behind it. Because I think you can label food whatever you want, but is it really that? Mm-hmm. And as I got into the industry more, I really found it as like a personal mission to do this. I was like, I need to do this, I need to do it right, I need to make sure everyone gets it. And then the food quality, the branding, the marketing, the aroma, uh, what I refer to as Halal Shack uh, is more than just food. Uh, our food is made with love. Mm-hmm. Our food is made with aroma. It's made with an experience. So when you eat at the Halal Shack, you get this full body experience. So it differentiates between other brands on colleges, which I think contributed to the growth. Uh, obviously, I'd love to have more of our units. But one big thing for me is if I can't replicate that formula, then it's going to be tough for me to want to take on a unit. So a lot of the units that we have 
it's because of great partnerships. Mm. Like every university that we're in, I've met with someone and I've aligned our vision with their vision and we've made a commitment to make it that way where we're going to increase diversity. We're going to make sure the halal food is actually halal. And we're going to make sure the students like to eat there. Yeah. I think a lot of the time in food, we talk about the experience, but do we really talk about the experience? Right, right. Like we, I, 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 I try to like, maybe it's my age, I'm only 33, but I'm always trying to uh, challenge the norm of like, well, this is a great plan, but is the execution going to match your plan? Because we can pay anyone to give us advice. That sounds great. But I think what I need advice on all the time, and I ask people like Kevin, Steve, or you know anyone in the industry, is, well, can you help me execute it mm. at the lowest cost possible? Because I think right now in the food service space, execution uh, and the brands that execute well are the ones that are insanely successful. Sure. So obviously there are some unique challenges facing the scene, facing the CNU space that is sort of unique among, you know, unique from the restaurant industry. You're familiar with the restaurant industry. Now you're in the CNU space. Tell me about some of those unique challenges that you face on an everyday basis. I mean, wow, where do I start? I, you know, besides them both selling, both having to do with food, they're nothing alike. Yeah. Like it, I, how do I put it to you this way? The reason why I quit my job was because I really was like, oh my God, like it was very humbling. I had to relearn everything I knew about business mm. uh, because what applies to street side business, which I'll call traditional real estate, does not apply to non-traditional. Uh, for beginners, we're a 32 week calendar, as opposed to 52 week. Uh, our business is basically uh, aggregated into that time, but also the potency of the time is dependent on the class schedule. So like, right. there's all these complexities. Um, and I would say I have to do a crash course, but I have to be honest in saying I'm still taking a crash course. I'm still learning a lot about it yeah. and it's insanely challenging. It's, it's nothing like I could have ever thought. And that's why I chose to stay in the CNU space. Um, and our vision as an organization is now we have three brands. We have a Halal Shack, Baba's Pizza, and Jamal's Chicken, mm. all growing within the CNU space. We will have exposure into other non-traditional very soon, like airports and hospitals, gaming events, arenas. But we will also look to do street side businesses, but under a different operating model. Because okay. it can't be the yeah. same. Like you can't run the stores the same way. Uh, and to kind of reference back to your original question, the, the CNU space Success in the CNU space, the metrics and even the KPIs are completely different than that of a street side business. Right. And we're still learning. So I have to be honest, we're not there yet. Yeah, sure. Well, and speaking of that, I mean, so here we are at CoEx in Austin where, you know, very much a big theme here is supply chain, inflation, rising costs, what to do about this. What does that look like for you operating in the CNU space? Are you facing those same challenges that restaurant operators are facing? Oh, for sure. I mean, I would say we probably faced the biggest challenges because we were shut for 18 months right. and we had no opportunity to go do to go to do anything. Yeah. So I had a company that was, you know, we were on pace to do X numbers and we just got shut down literally overnight, yeah. lost everything. I am so thankful to the government. If it wasn't for the government, PPP, the funding, mm -hmm. the, just the support, we would be bankrupt times 10. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. I'm one of those operators that say that, you know, I alone am not here. We have an amazing team. And because the challenges we're facing now, even we're in facing increased pressures because our supply chain is higher within CNU because of the potency and the volume we need, mm -hmm. as well as our labor costs because our employees are over 32 weeks, not 52 weeks. In addition to all that, we're facing struggles with the onboarding of employees mm -hmm. because in a CNU space, the motivation is different. 
Right. Right. So the employees who want to work street side or the individuals who have a culinary skill to work in a restaurant, the motivation of working in a CNU space is more similar to a hospital food service or a airport food service. So, you know, a different caliber of interest, a different caliber of motivation is required for the team. Uh, and as a leader, I would say culture, culture has to be different and you have to reflect the challenges of the diversity that you bring in. And what I mean by that is like, if you're employing people from communities where some things are harder, like if getting access to technology is not as accessible, you have to have things in place for them to access that technology, whether it's helping them with their unemployment form because they can't figure it out, right? So right. you knowing that you're in a CNU space and they're going to go to unemployment, you better have a process for that. Right. And if you don't, you're going to have higher churn and higher attrition. So those are the kind of challenges, like I said, I'm continuing to learn, but I'm just lucky enough that our team and our partners are freaking awesome because they're the ones that are executing it. And yeah. my original point, it's really about the execution. The idea is great, but if you can't execute it, the idea is worthless. Tell me about the partnership part sure. of this because the colleges and universities themselves, the institutions, they're management companies that are, are facilitating the food service. What's what's the partnership like there and what do you look for when you're developing that kind of partnership? Um, you know, that's a great question. Um, I love what they were saying earlier that people work for people not companies. Mm -hmm. And that's what I'll reference here. Yeah. Just great people. Yeah. Uh, every partnership we have is we're just very blessed to work with some great people that are very like-minded. Uh, and everybody's goal is the same. I think that it's fair to say everybody has to earn a living. So everybody has to make money. Um, but it's also fair to say that it has to be equitable. Yeah. And that's something that I push for heavily where I'm like, you know, it's something, there's something that has to be said about equitable partnerships, because if we're not on the same playing field and there's a disadvantage somewhere, is that systemic? Mm. Is that by design? Mm -hmm. Is that your operating model versus mine? Right. And those are the type of partnerships that we try to avoid because we want to work with people, companies, and organizations where all of our interests are aligned. Most importantly, back to our original point of providing diverse food options. Yep. So because the problem is if you don't provide the right economic system, the diverse food options all of a sudden become uneconomical, which is not the case. Mm -hmm. You can get halal food at an economical price, just like you can get vegan food at an economical price. Yep. But when food deserts are created because back of what I was saying about like the economy being set up different, that's not a good partnership. Right. Uh, so that's what we look for. Very complicated way of saying good people. <laughs> sure. No, that's a good answer though. That's good. That's good. So, so school's back in session. I mean, you know, you were shut down for 18 months. You said oh school's God. back I in sit there happy. Oh, I, I can't swear on this, but I'm just, man, I, I sit there so happy. You would never see, you think parents are happy that kids are going to school? I'm sitting there. Yeah. I work from colleges daily, even though if I have an office, I'll still work from the colleges, like a grown man with a background <laughs> there, taking calls. Most of my like partners or vendors probably hate me because all the background noise, but uh -huh. it's amazing. It's man. a great environment though, too, oh, right? It's energizing. Totally, yeah. I'm up to date on all the latest, the like the latest vocabulary. Mm -hmm. Like my employees say, "Bet now." I say, "Like okay, bet," and I'm like, "What are we betting on?" I don't know. Happens to me. I, got it. I, I don't. I don't know this. So really, yeah. yeah what is it? Uh, bet means okay. Do you know this? Oh, you know that? I'm the old man here. It's okay. I was like, but, yeah, yeah. but no, I, I say that as a joke in saying that colleges are melting pots of yeah. innovation. Yeah. Uh, also, their like flavor palette mm -hmm. and like taste within, I think, overall food economy is unbelievable. Students are yeah. so, or not students, just 
the people who go to college go with an experience in mind. Uh -huh. So their feedback tends to, in my opinion, tends to be more organic. Sure. So like, if I'm like, is this good? Like they'll give me a lot more details about why it's not good as opposed to like my dad. Mm. My dad will just push it aside. I don't like it. Right? Yeah, right. Like, a student will be like, well, the salt's a little heavy and it could be a little bit crispier. Uh -huh. I mean, hey, it's good and bad because then mm. you're like, you know, it's really hard to get there. But you, what I'm trying to say is that I'm so happy colleges are back. Yeah. <laughs> and not all of them are fully back though. Right. Right. So like, we're still dealing with lots of schools that are under COVID restrictions. Mm -hmm. I just found out two days ago that our schools in New York, you don't have to wear a mask anymore. Right. I mean, that's shocking. I had yeah. I have a hard time not wearing a mask here. No, so I know. Yeah, I get uh, that. I actually got anxiety here earlier. Because of like yeah. all the people around. Yeah. 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 I'm not going to lie. Like, I, I was texting another colleague and I was like, this is going to take some getting used to. Totally. Which, which is weird. Yeah. Because I was just on a flight with everyone wearing a mask that, was, that just came here. Right. <laughs> so right. Hey. It was, yeah, I know. Walking into the hotel, I was like, oh, okay. So we're doing this. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Yeah. And like, you know, being from New York, like, was, I couldn't eat at restaurants if I didn't have my vaccine card. Right. And, you know, luckily we're all hopefully vaccinated. But my point is, it's a, it's a, going to take some like, getting used to. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So talking about, I mean, how, exciting you find the CNU space. Most people who are listening to this are probably in traditional restaurants. Yeah. What's your pitch for them for why the CNU space is something they should get into? And then, you know, conversely, what are the challenges that they should be paying attention to if this was something they wanted to do? Yeah, I mean, the way I like to talk to people about the CNU space is the food within the university or any non-traditional. So like, let's say CNU aside, hospitals, airports, anywhere you go, the food in non-traditional and traditional should always try to be the same mm -hmm. right so if someone's getting like really good food street side they should also have access to get that within the university and my answer to it is simple because they're both paying customers mm -hmm. so why should we have a differentiation of experience based on cohort or setting now is there a limitation based on equipment of course but can you snapshot almost any experience yes that's why these spaces exist so my advice to them is to do what they do best anywhere yeah yeah. And they'll figure out any challenge to get there. Sure. We and sure. we are continuing to do that. And to, again, say we're still learning, though. Like, mm -hmm. we're messing up a lot. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> sure. We're hoping we do more right than wrong, which yeah. everybody is. So last question for you, Jamal. You know, all of this said, looking ahead, there's still so much sort of volatility in the CNU space, in the world in general. Um, but what, what do you see for the year ahead? What, what, what are some things that, you know, whether it's trends affecting CNU or just restrictions, regulations, whatever it is, what are you trying to keep on top of in the year ahead that you want to be prepared for now? Yeah, I think it would be negligent not to talk about the increase in pricing. Mm -hmm. I think that um, I think it's very tough to be a founder and a CEO because mm -hmm. you have to make decisions like increase pricing, which we try to do anything we can in the world, but increase pricing yep. because I I lose sleep over it. Like when I'm definitely one of those people where if someone leaves a bad food review, I, I can't go to sleep. Right. I, I have to understand why and I have to fix it because I'm so invested in the organization, but also in the happiness of our customers because mm. they paid good money for it. Um, so we're trying to understand how we can best overcome the volatility in the, in the pricing market because things are changing at rates where colleges and universities are not used to in the sense that we lock in pricing. Mm -hmm. And we have to figure out how do we adapt to increasing pricing every two weeks. Like the cost of oil for us with our sauces, with the war in Ukraine, it, it just went up like 
more than three percent, like thirty yeah, percent. And yeah. it's like, well, that's just this week, and then next week's supposed to go up again. And how? What do you do? You can't just change their pricing because it's also not fair to the students. Yeah. Um, so we're trying to understand how to overcome those challenges. And in the year ahead, I do think that there'll be a lot more of that. But I am more optimistic than I am pessimistic. And the reason why I say that is because we just got through the pandemic. Or oh, I'm sorry, we're not through it. We're getting through the pandemic. Yeah. We're getting through what seems to be the worst of it, God willing. Mm. I really don't know if it is the worst of it, but uh, I'm a man of faith and I really believe that God has the best of plans and God willing, it is the, the, end of, the ending of it. Mm. But um, that was the hardest time of my life. Mm. And uh, we can make it through that as a nation and as a country and as a world, we'll get through anything. <laughs> so nothing else really seems you know, as bad when you realize you were shut down for 18 months with yeah. zero revenue. Yeah, especially especially in the space you were in, you had it probably worst of most <laughs> any <laughs> money. Yeah, for those who are only listening to this, you, know you have no hair. People make fun of me. The pictures that I submit, or like people submit for me, uh -huh. I give them one headshot and it's me with hair. And I'm like, that's how I want to be remembered. But they always say you have to update your headshot. Like, like all like, like these things on the internet. I'd I'm rather like, not. Yeah, I'll do it when I get time. But uh -huh. I was like, when you're bald, you got to get the right glare angle. Right? Uh, so yeah. <laughs> I was like, okay. This <laughs> is just a lie of time. Just so, wear a hat. Just put a hat on for your headshot. I'm joking. I love being bald. I just wake up and, you know, get out of bed. <laughs> awesome. Well, Jamal Rasuli of the Halal Shack, thank you so much for taking time. Thank you guys for having me. Appreciate it.